The following program is presented by the HTM Podcast Network. Good evening, everybody. This is Robin Nelson with another edition of Wrestle Podcast. And my guest tonight is Thomas Hawkins. How's it going? It's going good, man. Living the dream one day at a time. Trying to stay quarantined, though, during this COVID-19 stuff. So has it been pretty hard for you uh, staying quarantined? Oh, you have no idea. It's been it's been very difficult having shows canceled. And especially with this being WrestleMania week, it's, uh, it's, it's really difficult. So um, have you been trying to push out some merchandise as well since you can't get into the ring? Oh, <laughs> well, that's actually funny. I am currently making merchandise, um, trying to get a partnership with Pro Wrestling Tees right now, and uh, trying to sell pictures as well, getting those developed. But trying to push out merchandise, but trying to see what shows are available. It's, uh, it's hard, but you, you got to keep pushing for greatness. You're having some wrestling withdrawals, aren't you? You have, big, you have no idea. A lot of us are. So um, I bet some of the people you work with at the ring as well is probably like hitting you up going, man, I wish I could be wrestling right now. Yes. Uh, yeah, we communicate all the time. We're consistently trying to find out where shows are going on and everything like that. And we, we're, we're all just trying to stay in touch and promoting each other. And it's just one big brotherhood. That's what I love about this sport. Yeah, that's what I like about the wrestling business. Um, all the pro wrestlers have that tight bonding brotherhood, which is great. Yeah, it's it's phenomenal. All right, um, let's go start from all the way from the beginning. <laughs> so, where'd you grow up at? Uh, well, I was born in uh, Kalamazoo, Michigan. Actually, to two loving parents who are still together. And then when I was probably about three or four years old, I moved to Lake Wells, Florida, spent about four years there. When I was eight, moved to Wichita, Kansas, then moved back down to Florida when I was 10, spent about uh, eight years, eight or nine years in Florida, then moved to Carmel, Indiana, and then came back home to Lakeland, Florida. Hey, Florida is a hotbed for wrestling. So how has the experience and what you've learned uh, from all that great pro wrestling in Florida? One thing that I will say about the wrestling in Florida is that it's the wrestling capital of the world. It is the best place to learn how to wrestle, to perfect your craft, perfect your character even, and also try to get over with the fans. And also, in side note, I've learned it's actually a lot easier for people to hate you than for people to like you. You know, it's just a lot easier being a heel than it is a face. <laughs> That's pretty awesome. So, um, you um, you fell in love with Ray Mysterio Jr. growing up when you were ten years old, and then you fell in love with the lucha libre style of wrestling. What got you so much in love with the lucha style type of wrestling? Well. Lucha Libre, uh, it really showed me that it didn't matter what size you were or how strong you were or what height you were to be a pro wrestler. You could be absolutely anything you wanted to be. And very acrobatic, very risk-taking, and I thought it was absolutely phenomenal. And Rey Mysterio, he was the the 
of that. He was the king of that. He showed me at a very young age that you didn't have to be a muscle beefhead like you saw Hulk Hogan or Ultimate Warrior in the 80s or 90s. You can be a you can be a burly guy, but you can be an athletic guy at the same time. So from there, when you got a little bit older, um, you went to college and you were going to get into uh, ministry. And then all of a sudden, what popped into your head that you know you were taking uh, studying ministry? And then you said, you know something, I want to be a professional wrestler. And then where did you go from there? <laughs> well, that's actually that's actually a very funny story. Um, when I was when I was eighteen, well, let me back up a little bit. When I was ten years old. I vowed to be in a wrestling ring at least once in my life. Whether it was through training or actually performing, I was going to be in a, in a wrestling ring at one point. However, uh, getting older and focusing more on the one thing that I knew for a fact that nobody will ever take away from me is my education. And then I went to school at Warner University in Lake Wales to study the ministry because I was called there. Um, by my Lord and Savior to do his work. And I didn't want to be the stereotypical youth pastor or motivational speaker or anything like that. I wanted to be something completely unique. So I don't remember the date specifically, but I was flipping through the channels on my TV, and then Monday Night Raw comes on. And I think it was right when Sting was coming back to face Seth Rollins for the WWE Championship. Mm-hmm. And I just at the top of my lungs that's it and my roommate at the time he was asleep and I been I scared him so much he jumped like nine feet out of the air it was <laughs> it was so funny and I was like that's my ministry and he told me that I was gonna get hurt and everything and I just said I don't care that is what I'm gonna do and millions of people watch pro wrestling and a lot of them probably aren't of the faith so that was my key target to bring uh, the word of God to the world of pro wrestling. Hey, there's nothing wrong with that as well. There's a lot of Christian athletes out there um, enjoying the love of the sport and their craft and also preaching the word of God too. Absolutely. So uh, when you decided to be a pro wrestler, uh, where did you head for training? Uh, I actually was looking at several uh, wrestling schools. Um, I was living in St. Pete. Uh, at the time when I finished school, I was living with my parents, and I told them this crazy idea. And they're like, no, you don't want to do that. You don't want to do that. And I'm like, no, this is what I'm going to do. I was looking at two wrestling schools specifically. One was uh, uh, Team Vision Dojo in Orlando. But then I found out that there was one that was just opening up. It was World Wrestling Network Academy, and it was in a little town called Newport Ritchie. It was about an hour north of me. And I went to the opening night, and... I signed a contract the very next day. So, there you go. And then from there, uh, when did you uh, start perfecting your craft in the Lucha-style Libre wrestling? Well, the first the first big thing was is that I had to get the fundamentals down. Mm-hmm. And I actually, I actually didn't learn Lucha at WWN, believe it or not. I watched it from watching Rey Mysterio tapes, watching uh, Tiger Mask watching Eddie Guerrero, and that's where I really started to watch the Lucha style, and I went to my trainer, Brian Idol. I said, hey, do you know how to do this stuff? And he's like, yeah, go ahead, jump in the ring, I'll show you. He he taught me the basics, like the chain wrestling and everything, but he willingly, and 
I give a lot of props to Brian. He has stuck his neck out for me a million times, and I'm very grateful for his training. He would always make time, either before class or even after class, to teach me the Lucha style. And the rest of it, I watched a tape of Ray and Eddie, and that's really where I learned was watching was watching tape. So from there, um, you started to uh, wear a Lucha mask as well, and you became Castiel. How'd you come up with Castiel? Well, <laughs> well a lot of people will call me the, uh, the rip-off Mystico at first, because I wore Mystico's gear. <laughs> and they would always... They would always joke with me saying, oh, you're going to be the bootleg Mystico. And I ran with that at first. But um, the uh, the original name that I went with was actually the Archangel. That's the original name that I went with. And then I found out there's an Archangel in Mexico that is currently performing. So I was like, well, I got to gotta come up with plan B. And I started reading up on scripture because I wanted my character to be a faith-based character. And I started reading the Bible, I start, and then I started reading about the angels, and there was one certain angel that, all, that really caught my mind, and his name was actually Cassiel, C-A-S-S-E-L, and he was the angel of patience, and he would do battles and everything like that, so I was like, okay, Cassiel, but Cassiel didn't necessarily sound intimidating or anything like that, so... I was watching Supernatural, and Castiel, the character Castiel from Supernatural, is actually based off of Castiel. So I took it from Supernatural, actually. Actually, Supernatural is a pretty good show, and I'm I'm so sad it's the final season, and it's uh, finally ending for the Winchester Brothers. Yeah, I, I agree with you. You know, it was a, it's been a great show, and it, it, it really puts in perspective of real-life issues and... You know, and as a person of faith, it, it it ties into real world issues and also what God can do for us, but also what, unfortunately, what Satan can do for us as well. Yeah, I totally agree with what I should say. <laughs> yeah, I totally agree with you as well on that. So, um, you have like three tattoos on your arm. Uh, is there like a story for each of those? Uh, I yeah, actually, um, I have two tattoos on my arms and on my arms, I should say. And one on my chest. Um, the first tattoo that I got uh, was actually a cross, and it's on my right shoulder. Um, it's actually not done, believe it or not. I still got to get it done. But it was just a badge of honor and a badge of my faith. Um, I got it when I when I turned 18. Like, on my 18th birthday, I went and I got it done. And it was one of the best birthday presents. My sister actually paid for it. And... Then the second tattoo I got is actually on my left shoulder. It's uh, the words Christ follower wrapped around the Japanese kanji that they saved. And I, I got it again as a badge of honor, but also for people to stop and ask, what does that mean? What does the Japanese lettering mean? And then I have my third tattoo are the words I believe over my left pectoral, which is basically over my heart saying that I believe in God and I'm willing to die for my faith. All right. Let's talk about some in-ring chemistry with a couple wrestlers that you know pretty well. And you guys uh, put on some, um, you know, solid matches. Um, tell me a little bit about uh, Alex Todd and DeAndre Motion. Oh, man. My brothers. Um, uh, well, Alex 
it's actually um, it's actually really cool because Alex and I we were booked for a show at Pro Wrestling 2.0 in Orlando, and we we never worked with each other at all. He was a face and I was a heel. I was trying a heel based character, and what what I was told is that he was going to go over with uh, a cross face. Okay, that's what the finish was. We planned everything out, and it felt like we worked a million times together. And then we worked, like, two other shows after that. We didn't even talk about what we were going to do. We just knew what we were going to do. And then shortly after that, we didn't work again uh, probably for another, I'd say, maybe three or four months after that. And I was wrestling in Indiana at the time, and I was a champion for a promotion, and... They were, the guys were asking me, like, hey, we want to bring in talent from out of the state. And immediately, the first person that came into my head was Alex. And <laughs> he, uh, I told him what was going on, and he said, all right, I'm interested. And he actually, he willingly flew up to Indiana to do only one show. He didn't get paid for it. One show just to wrestle me. And we wrestled in front of a sold-out crowd, and it was remarkable. I bet it was, and I bet you guys had that crowd popping too. We we did we did you know, and just the in ring chemistry that him and I had it still have to this day because I've had several practice matches with him. We could do a twenty minute match, in my opinion, a twenty minute WrestleMania main event worthy match, and not talk to each other at all for the whole day. Oh, that's pretty good. Now tell me about uh, DeAndre Motion. DeAndre, oh man, I DeAndre, oh I love DeAndre so much. He, it's actually funny. I helped train DeAndre when he first started, and he came in. He was a, he was obviously a football player of some sort. He was very, he was in shape, probably in shape the majority of the class. More like he was probably the most in shape out of all of us. And first day, he gets it immediately. He starts working matches his third day. And there were several times where he would play heel and I would play face. And it, he didn't know what to do as the heel. But I was like, okay. And I talked to Brian and I talked to him. I was like, listen, if we're ever going to work each other, I'll be the heel and he'll be the face. And Brian was like, he's a nat- DeAndre's a natural face either way. And Thomas, you know how to piss people off easily. So <laughs> it was like, all right, so we'll do it. There was one match in particular that I remember that we did. It was unfortunately a practice match. It was not in front of a crowd. It was it was for class. And uh, the one thing that DeAndre would always be afraid of was that, even still to this day, he's always like, "Man, if they don't put me over, you know, it, it, like like prom- promoters will do that sometimes. They'll say, oh, I'll put you over and everything like that.' And then you go to, for the day of the show." You're not going over. So the politics in wrestling is very bad. But as I digress, DeAndre and I, we had an amazing match. We talked probably about the shine and then the finish. And everything else, we just, we we winged it. We winged it all. That was it. And it was magic. See, those are the best kind of matches to have where you're doing that and getting the uh, fans invested into that storyline, too. Yeah, the the and 
new wrestlers especially they don't in my opinion they don't they don't understand that is that oh everything's got to be high flying tilt a world head to suicide dive and springboard off the top rope no tell a story in the ring tell a story in the ring people like stories and i mean i can go in there as a heel and just punch somebody in the face and people will hate me you know that is how that is how you get your character over and that's how you get the story over I totally agree with you. It seems like, you know, all the young wrestlers just want to, you know, do, you know, their certain style of wrestling and they really don't want to share a story or uh, push that in-ring psychology or even do a good promo. Absolutely. It's all, it's all flippy, it's all flippy shit now. You know, pardon my language, but it's all, it's all flippy stuff now. And it's not, it's not actually telling a story. And that's really what, in my opinion, what the world of wrestling is missing is the storytelling. Because the best kind of the best kind of matches are when there are stories in there. I totally agree. And since you're a man of faith, um, what decides you to become a heel? Isn't that kind of hard being a heel and also sharing the faith as well? Uh, well, actually, being a heel um, was not my decision. Actually, i I had the idea. This was my heel gimmick idea. Uh, it was actually pitched to me by Brian. He goes, be an evil priest. And I was like, be an evil priest? And he goes, yeah, trust me, it'll get over. And I did it once. And it was at the Pro Wrestling 2.0 show, and people despised it. But they despised it in a good way. Like, I got the reaction that I wanted. And basically, you just yell at people, tell them that they're sinners all day. <laughs> that's basically all that you do. And they would, people hated it. And that's why the that's why that character got over so much is that you, you, you basically shove, you shove the faith down people's throat, which naturally people don't like. People like hearing about it and you sharing it, not shoving it down the throat. Okay, I was wondering how that worked out because I was just kind of curious. I just wanted to ask you that question. So I'm just... hey, I, I mean, hey, hey, it's 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 a it's a complicated question, but you got. But the best way for new wrestlers, I think that the best thing that people can do, especially if they're a heel, is talk about something. And this is it's bad advice, but talk about something that people are very sensitive about. You know, like. Me, it was fate. People are very sensitive about that. And it's uh, probably not the best advice to give, but it'll get your character over. Yeah, um, I'll tell you a story that's kind of like familiar with yours as well. Um, I'm part of Future Great Wrestling over here in Cincinnati, and we have a, a great guy. Uh, he um, His name is Jonas, and he's a man of faith as well. And, um, you know, he is a professional wrestler or FGW. And then, um, you know, they um, asked him to be part of this uh, group called the Congregation, where, you know, uh, he would have to, you know, like, carry the bible but he didn't want to carry a bible so they made it into the book of Jonah. that's just a regular book because you know because of his faith <laughs> and um 
Yeah, so they had these guys that come out and they had like the, you know, uh, um, had the uh, plates to try to, uh, you know, collect communion and all that. The usher, the usher plate, yeah. Yeah, and uh, so it was going good for a while. And then one day, you know, Jonas felt like very uncomfortable about it and, you know, said, hey, I want to, you know, part ways and do my thing, you know. And I totally respect that. And um, he did it pretty good. And the fans were just loving it, you know, hating on him and everything. But, you know, he wanted to, you know, get out of that to um, go on his own, you know, which I don't blame him. And everybody, you know, at the promotion understood and respected them all that. But I thought that was great when Jonas was part of the congregation. <laughs> yeah, that, that that actually reminds me of a story of mine, too. When I was wrestling in Indiana, um, I was told that I was going to be the the guy, basically. I, I was wrestling as Castiel at the time, and they then the promoter, who was a openly gay man, very openly gay man, he had this group called The Pretty People. And then he knew about what my character was and what I was doing. And then he goes, okay, but you're not going to be this character. You're going to be my gay boyfriend. And I was like, what? I just, no, I'm not going to do that. He goes, I'll put another belt on you, trying to persuade me. And, you know, similar to your friend Jonas, is that situations like that, like morally and psychologically, you know it's wrong, and you just don't go through with it anymore. And you got to put your foot down and say, I can't do this no more. So, you know, it's, it's similar story, similar circumstances. Yeah, and that's like uh, with uh, you know the big name pro wrestlers too. You know, like uh, Nikita Koloff, Sting, Shawn Michaels. You know, Million Dollar Man Ted DiBiase. I mean, they still do their you know whole character, um, you know, to put on a good show. But they're also strong with their faith. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and I mean, and Shawn Michaels, a complete like a perfect example. You know, a guy who was. Totally, totally, totally the furthest guy from the faith. And then he breaks his back and he comes back and he's a new man. You know, it's almost as if, this is how I take it. God will either put you in your place himself or he'll make sure, or he will make sure that you put yourself in your own place. In my opinion, I think that, and I think Sean can actually agree with this, is that God had Sean injured. So that he can realize, like, my lifestyle is wrong. I got to change something. You know, you kind of, you know, you kind of agree with that. Or, I mean, it's confusing at some times, but, you know. Yeah, I totally agree. Um, I I like that answer. So uh, tell me a little bit about you and Sage Scott. Oh, Sage, man. Sage and I, we were, oh, man. Sage is, Sage is my, one of my best friends in, the wrestling business. Him and I, we actually started together in at WWN, and <laughs> his gimmick is Mister A One since day one, and he is the epitome of that. He is a natural born athlete. We would ride to Orlando together, Fort Myers, Tampa. We we would go everywhere. There were several times him and I we actually went to Georgia together, and it was just it was absolutely crazy. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, I don't mean to laugh, but there was one story where <laughs> him and I, we were driving back from Orlando. He was in the main event. He was dead. 
He was absolutely tired. And I'm driving home. I was in the opening match, so I had the most energy out of both of us. So we were driving back, and this tow truck was towing either a van or a semi-truck. And he was asleep in, in the passenger seat. So I see that the headlights are on on the car that's being towed. So I'm like, all right, we're going to have some fun. So I got, so I put the gas on just a little bit. Get probably about four feet away. I scream out, Shane, look out! And he just he screams his head off. That it was <laughs> probably, probably the best road story of my career. And down. Yeah, it was so funny. <laughs> I bet I, I bet he almost like crapped in his pants. Oh dude, he was he was telling me, I ain't riding with you ever again. <laughs> it was so funny. Hey, that's pretty cool. Um, let's talk about another promotion where it has a lot of great uh young talent and um you know and uh, has a young a female wrestler by the name of Persia that works there as well. Um, tell me about Knockout Wrestling. Oh, Knockout is a, um, it's an amazing promotion. It's owned by really smart people and very just wise people. And actually what's funny is that um, I met Persia before uh, Knockout. And I met her actually, I think at a WXW show. But um, she... She's an amazing, unbelievable athlete. I mean, and her story is just fantastic. I mean, a, a, a single mom wanting to chase her dream about being a pro wrestler and an MMA fighter. I found that out by listening to the podcast that she did with her. I didn't know that she was studying to fight for MMA. I had no idea. Yeah, she she's great. Um, I've been checking out some of her matches, you know. And I I see a big rising star. I can see her going, you know, many places. And another question is, oh, yeah. do you think you will ever get in a ring with Persia? Oh, man. Uh, I've seen Persia chop people, so I'm going to say for my own safety, no. <laughs> really? Why? How deadly is Persia's chops? Well, let me put it to you this way. If Big Show was five foot four inches tall uh-huh. and it, you've heard Big Show's chops right <laughs> yes I have yeah see that's how loud and how stiff she chops now guaranteed I've seen her work and I've done a little bit of in ring work with her because she was having trouble trying to find out certain ring positioning on one spot that she wanted to do uh-huh. but I've seen her work and uh, she's she is insanely stiff but in a good way you know, she she takes care of her opponents, and I think that's really the best. Personally, I think that's the best um, way to work. Stiff, keep your opponents safe, and just make sure that uh, they're taken care of. Well, I hope so too, because you don't want to get in a ring with somebody that wasn't properly trained, and you guys end up getting hurt. Oh, I, oh yeah. I mean, like one thing that really kind of makes me upset is that a lot of these guys now. They are, um, they're being booked for shows and they're not trained, you know, and one certain person that I don't really like, um, his name is Superhuman. You know Superhuman, right? I've heard of him, yes. Yeah, he, uh, he's a, he's, he is a guy who does stupid stunts, but he, he, he throws himself into barbed wire, basically. That's the kind of stunts he does. 
Oh, he's in the hardcore matches. Yeah, and he he puts himself through unbelievable agony, and he he got he he was scouted by AEW. Really? So what happened? Did they take yeah, him? They didn't sign him. I don't I don't think they signed him. But they but he was getting show he was getting bookings on like major 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 shows all because he does the stupidest stuff and he is willing to do the stupid stuff. You know, and and I heard I heard through the grapevine that he is getting trained if he is getting trained great and learn learn the craft before you put yourself through that because you you can't fake being slammed up through barbed wire like you just can't fake that. <laughs> yeah, um, let's go to another a part of your history. You were at a dark place at one time. Yeah, I was. I was very much um, when I was uh, wrestling in Indiana. Actually, I was wrestling for a company. And, um, basically like I was, I was the guy, I was the guy. And to be honest, it was not hard to be the guy. Let me, let me put it to you this way. You know, backyard wrestlers like superhuman who have zero wrestling training on their worst day. They were better than these guys that I was with in this promotion on their best day. That's how bad the wrestling was. And I was in a very, and in my personal life, I was dating a young woman who was treating me very, very poorly. And uh, I later did I find out that she was the daughter of the owner of the company. So I was, I was stuck. I did I had nowhere to go. So after we moved back from Florida, my career in wrestling was, was, at its high point, it was. I was getting bookings everywhere. I was traveling, getting paid to travel. It was absolutely great. But physically, as even though Castiel was on the top, Thomas, the person, was absolutely miserable. At that point, I already had four knee surgeries. I dislocated my shoulder without going to the doctor to get it looked at, and I had seven concussions at that point. That I knew of. Wow. Yeah. And it was, it was very, it was very bad. It was, it was horrible. And while I was at a, while I was at a real pro show in Fort Myers, there was a time where I never drank and I never did drugs while I was in the wrestling business. I, I, I never, I never did any of that. However, I always carried a bottle of Tylenol with me to help with aches and pains and stuff like that. And there was a time where I was in my hotel room and I went to the bathroom area and I, you know, when you have, like, you've probably been in this situation before where you have a serious dilemma, either with yourself or with another person, but you have no one to talk to. Yep. You talk to yourself. Mm-hmm. That will, that's what was going on. I was having a physical conversation with myself in the mirror. I took that bottle of Tylenol and I dumped the entire bottle in my hand. And I was saying to myself, is all this truly worth it? Is the pain, is the money, is the publicity, is all of this truly worth it? And I was going to take my life that night. Wow. Yeah, it was, it, yeah. And I'm very thankful that it did not come to that point. And I put the, I put the medicine away and I actually went to bed 
And then a week later, I met my wife. That's that's awesome. You met a a good loving wife. Um, so how supportive yeah. is she with you in the wrestling business? <laughs> well, the one after after I almost had my suicide attempt, I met her, and I told her that this is what I do, and she's like, "Wow, that's really cool," and everything. You know, like how girls are when they try to get with you and everything. Yeah. She wouldn't stop bugging me, and I will openly t- I will openly say that until the day I die. She will, she would not stop bugging me. She's she's sitting in the next room, and I can tell she's shaking her head right now. <laughs> <laughs> I bet she is. She's like, uh, you didn't go there. <laughs> that's right. So when I had my last match, actually as Castiel, um, when I had my last match as Castiel, I actually unmasked and. I stepped away from the wrestling business for a little bit. And the one person that told me that I should not stop was my wife. She told me that do not stop what you're doing. Like you are on a great track. You are, you, this is your living, you know? And I said, no, I don't, I don't want to keep doing this. And it was simply because I did not want her to see me one in a hospital bed, two in a wheelchair or three in a coffin, you know? And, I truly think that if I did not meet my wife at the time that I did, I probably would be in an even worse place than I was, truthfully. I totally believe that. <laughs> uh, God works in mysterious ways. So when you were, were gone from the wrestling business for a while and your wife encouraged you to get back into the wrestling business, um, how did you become Thomas Hawkins? Uh, it's actually It's actually quite a... It's actually a funny story. Um, so I'm a huge video game enthusiast. I love playing video games. Uh-huh. And one of the one of the games that I would play religiously was always WWE 2K. Okay. And I created me basically in the game, and uh, I always put my name as Thomas Hawkins. And I was like, that actually has a good ring to it. So. If I go back into the wrestling business, then that's what I'll go as. I'll go as Thomas Hawkins. And actually how I got back into wrestling is a very, very interesting story. Okay. In in the new WWE game, I don't know if you played it, They in the story mode, there, there's a story of two friends. And they both make a list of stuff that they want to accomplish in the wrestling business. And I was... And it's been proven if you write down your your goals, you're more likely to accomplish them. I think it's like by 30% or something like that. Yeah. And they started writing down their goals. I was like, you know what? That is so relatable. And then I was like, you know what? I'm going to do that. And I wrote down all the goals that I wanted to accomplish in the wrestling business. One of them was like wrestle Chris Jericho, get signed by WWE, get signed by AEW. (laughs) win championships and everything like that. And also one of them, one of the goals I had was sign with WXW, World Extreme Wrestling, which is um, off of the Wild Samoans uh, promotion here in Florida. Three days after I wrote down that goal, my uh, my really good friend Vertigo, the cure, Rivera, he messages me and he's like, hey dude, we have a show tonight. Do you want to come? And I told him, I said, I, you know I'm not wrestling anymore. He goes, it's not to wrestle. I just wanted to invite you. And I was like, okay, so we'll go with that. And uh, I came. 
I, I went to the wrestling show, and they were scrambling to find a referee for the show. And uh, I pulled Vertigo aside, and I said, I, I'll ref. He goes, okay, you're refing tonight. I ref two matches that night, and um, Appa's wife, uh, Lynn, we call her Mama. Mama comes to the back, and she asks me, she goes, how long have you been doing this? And I said, in the wrestling business? She goes, yes. And I said, almost almost five years. And she goes, I want you to sign this. And it was a contract with WXW. Wow, that's awesome. Um, tell me a little bit more about WXW, which is run by the Smullins. I've never heard of that promotion. Now you got me intrigued. Uh, WXW is actually where a lot of uh, the in the in-ring talent from uh, WWE is. Like, uh, the new inductee, Batista, actually went to WXW. He was a part of that. Uh, Billy Kidman as well. Um, and a, a lot, a handful of guys, actually. Uh, you remember Manu? Yes, I do. I from, like, yeah, that was, a, that was off his son. Really? Yeah, Manu was off his son. And uh, a lot of the guys that you see that are jobbing out to NW, in NXT and some on SmackDown, and SmackDown, those are all guys that are from WXW. No kidding. I am definitely have to check out that promotion. I didn't know that was a big promotion uh, down there. Now I know because I've never heard it before. I mean, I've heard of MLW. Um, I know a lot of people over at MLW, but that's pretty cool. Yeah, it, it was it was an absolute... It was an absolute blessing to be able to be a part of WXW. One thing that uh, sets WXW apart from a lot of the other independent com- promotions, in my opinion, is that um, is that Alpha, or as we call him, Pops. Pops truly wants to see you succeed. Like he will put, he will sit down with you for an hour just to talk to you about what you want to accomplish in the wrestling business. Um, to help you succeed more, and he will even give personal recommendations to the guy Vince McMahon to try to sign you. Like Pops will, Pops will always stick his neck out for you. And a lot of the people that are in WWE actually went through Pops. Actually went through WXW, and it's actually really, really cool. Hey, that's that's great. Good for you. So, um, where does uh, Thomas Hawkins go from here after uh, this? crazy insanity and this crazy coronavirus finally disappears well I'm going to just tell you this is that Thomas Hawkins is going to make history he was once Castiel he was a laughing stock in the wrestling business but the one thing that people have always underestimated me my entire career they've always underestimated me but I'm not a muscle beef head I'm not a bodybuilder I'm none of that I am a passionate, driven individual that will be willing to do absolutely anything to rise to the top. And Thomas Hawkins will achieve everything that he sets his mind to. So where can everybody find Thomas Hawkins on social media if they decided to, you know, to check out your matches and follow you? Well, you can follow me on Instagram at the underscore Thomas Hawkins, and you can find me on Instagram there. You can also find me on Facebook as well. Um, I have, I'm, I'm not with the time, unfortunately. I have not created a Twitter. 
unfortunately. I'm currently in the process of doing that. But you can find me on Instagram and Facebook. And all of my old matches as Castiel and the Archangel are on YouTube. If you look up uh, Pro Wrestling 2.0 or um, Real Pro Wrestling, you'll be able to find matches there. Thank you so much for coming on tonight and uh, sharing your story. Absolutely, man. It's been a real honor. And stay safe during this coronavirus, you know. And once it's all over, we're going to tear this freaking house down, man. Alright. And everybody else, thank you for listening to Wrestle Podcast. You can follow uh, Wrestle Podcast on Facebook. You can follow Wrestle Podcast on Twitter at Rob Kicks. You can follow Wrestle Podcast on Instagram. And you can follow Wrestle Podcast at a lot of great platforms like Spotify, iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts, Podcast Addict, Castbox, Podcast City Network at PodcastCity.net, Hitting the Marks Podcast Network. And everybody have a great evening. And also subscribe to WrestlePopcast on YouTube.